It's been raining, but I don't guess the wood's wet, is it? If you know what I'm referring to, old, old um, revivalists that came through my church when I was little, actually all of them, I think they steal from each other, said if uh, that doesn't light your fire, your, word, your wood is wet. Your, wo- your wood, your wood is wet. What is wet? It's very, very good. Um, let's do this. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I needed some Windex and something to kind of. Ever seen Big Fat Creek Wedding? Sing with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like I once was lost. But now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And that's the hope right there. Yeah, great time of worship today. Um, <clears throat> I, I kind of pick around with this whole exercise thing, but from time to time I do try it. Okay. And um, my daughter and my wife have these videos, and um, they're like aerobic-type videos. And so they're downstairs, you know, going, and then you switch. So I've kind of snuck downstairs before just to see if I can do it, because there's guys on the video, so I, I can keep my man card, right? So, so they're in front of me, right, and, and I'm kind of behind the couch, and, and the little lady on the screen, because... Yeah, anyway, she's a little lady, and she, she's doing this. Well, by the time I start doing this, they're on to something else. By the time I have this down to the beat, they're kind of on to something else, so I kind of give up on that. I bought this app for my Apple TV that actually is a seven-minute workout that I can actually do because it's just stick figurines, and the stick figurines move slower <laughs> as they go, so I'm like, yeah, <laughs> two, right, and I can do it. So I've been kind of thinking about this, and, and uh, I, I looked online for a Christian, like, you know, a Christian workout thing, and, and there isn't one. It's yoga. I don't know if you know this or not, but yoga isn't Christian, but, you know, you can stretch all you want to, but it's, it's just not. And then the other stuff just isn't Christian either. So I got to thinking, what kind of music could I use for these um, exercise video that would help me with my hand-eye coordination, Right? So I thought, oh, got it. Head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, knees and toes. Head and shoulders, knees and toes, all for Jesus, right? And so you do it over and over, and you just sing that, sing that song over and over again. And here's, here's some variations. Ready? Head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. Oh, knees and toes, knees and toes. Head and shoulders, knees and toes, all for Jesus. Now do the left side. Head and shoulders, knees and... Oh, come on. Right? Now, let's say that you've done that for a couple of days and you're sore. And you, right? You're sore. And you don't really feel like doing it. Here's an alternate version. Ready? Head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and... 
That way you can rest the abs, you could rest your buttocks, you could rest, you know, the whole deal. So head and eye coordination, not real good with head and eye coordination. I can bounce the basketball and shoot it and walk, like bounce, I can do that. I can't do it too fast. Um, I'm a real good passer. Soon as somebody comes up to kind of take the ball away, it's gone. I mean, I can get it around them, get it to a person that can handle the ball. I can do all that. So not much hand-eye coordination with that. But hand-eye coordination is, is kind of significant when you're doing things of that nature. Now, to, to hold on to that <clears throat> a little bit, um, in Scripture, you, you have the eye talked about a lot and talked about like things that you see right? Things that you see. And then you have a hand that's talked about with the things that you do. Now, also connected to this, to this eye and to this hand is, is a heart, right? So your heart is, doesn't look like this at all, right? But that's your heart. And then you, then you have the eye. Y'all can go ahead and start going. Yep, the eye, and you have the hand. So what happens in, in Scripture is that what your eye sees is actually the window to your heart. Now, in different places in Scripture, it might say, um, uh, it might say heart, soul, inner being. It might say something like that. But generally speaking, it's, the heart. Now, this right here is a heart from outer space, um, intelligent life. I'm just kidding. Put some eyelashes like right here and down here. Eyelashes. We'll make it a girl. And this is a guy's hand. Okay. So you have, you have, you have this eye, you have a heart, and you have a hand. Let's give these girls a good hand for, for doing that behind me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, what happens when we sin is we look at something. Well, actually, when we sin, it starts in the heart. And it goes to the eye. And then the eye goes to the hand. That's how that works. Um, however, when you're trying to do something right, it goes from the heart to the eye when you're trying to live for Jesus, and it gets, goes from the eye back to the heart, and then to the hand. That is the progression, okay? So sin, is heart is evil, wants to see evil, hand does evil. The believer, however, has a changed heart. So its heart's different, tells the eye what to look for. The eye sees that. The eye goes back to the heart, and it fills it, and then it goes back to the hand, and there's something that's done about it. Here's a verse of Scripture for you. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. 
So with that in mind, I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And we'll begin reading with verse 25. Luke chapter 10. The eye is what do we see, the heart is what do we feel, and the hand is what do we do. Eye, heart, and hand coordination. Verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's a great question. It's probably the most important question you can answer or get an answer for. The only way you can inherit eternal life is receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. You ask forgiveness from your sins, you ask him to be a Savior, and he begins a relationship with you. If you have not done that, you've never done the most important thing that you can do in your life. This is a very important question. However, this lawyer didn't ask it with pure motives. I find oftentimes that people don't ask this question with pure motives. Sometimes they just want to get your answer so they can argue with you. Sometimes they just want to get your answer so that they can kind of say that that's not really it. Why doesn't other religions, why aren't they able to, blah, 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 and they want to start an argument. I would submit to you today if someone asks you that question and they start an argument, they're not even close to where they can receive Christ. You have to lay all that down. You have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that you are sinful and he's the only solution for the world. And at that moment, that person is ready to receive Christ. I'm not saying you don't engage them, but I'm saying once the argument gets to a certain level, you need to just let it go. You're not going to lead them to Christ. Okay? You're not going to. By the way, just to let you know, it's not up to me to lead anybody to Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I'm supposed to deliver the message. If they are not receiving the message, the Holy Spirit has to deal with their heart, and I'll just deliver it again some other time. Okay, so move on. That's not really about the sermon. Verse 26, he said to him, what is written in the law, and how do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Love God and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, By chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. They couldn't get their hands dirty. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring 
on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So each one of these people in this story had an hand-eye coordination type deal going on. The first characters are who? The first, first character that entered the scene is? Okay, that would, that's the second. Right. The man going down, going down to Jericho, right? And then the robbers come into play. So what type of hand-eye coordination did these robbers have? Well, their eye was on things that they didn't have. I don't have this, I don't have that, I want that. How can I get it? That eye went to their heart, which was dark and evil. The heart said, I want what isn't mine, I want what I haven't earned. Right? Let me tell you, it irritates me to no end when someone breaks into somebody's house. A couple of years ago, um, God tested me with this because somebody broke into Ms. Nancy's house. I have never been that mad. <laughs> Do you know Ms. Nancy? Anybody know? Ms. Nancy sits right over there. Sweet lady, loves Jesus. Don't break into her house. I prayed that they would get caught and they got caught. She got her TV back. Not that the TV's important. You know what I'm saying. It's an evil person that decides to take stuff that isn't theirs. Take what is mine. So then the heart went back to the eye. And they started to look for somebody that was weak. You ever notice that robbers look for you when you're not at home? They look for the weakness. They look for something to exploit. And that's what they, they, um, they go after, weakness. So what can I take? Weakness to exploit. So this guy's going down from Jericho. He must have been small and didn't do aerobics or lift weights. Maybe he did head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Come on, people. Head and shoulders, knees. Maybe he was small. He looked like they could take him. And so they jumped him and they stripped him and they took everything that he had and left him on the road to die. So their eye went directly to their hand and they did evil. But their heart was evil. The heart told their eye what to look for. The eye looked for it, and the hand came and did it. Now then you have a third and fourth characters that come on the scene, and who are they? Priest and Levi. I'm lumping them together because they're religious people, okay? Both are religious people. There's not much difference between the two. They are supposed to remain ceremonially clean. So there's stuff in the law that they're not supposed to touch. There's, there's, they are in a high position, and they are very important. So it starts in their eye. Their eye looked in the mirror that morning and said, I'm well-dressed, and I look good. I went down to Robo Abix 
and got the best robe on the market, tried it on, right? I got my sandals from Chaco, got them on, ready to go, walking down the road, looking good, got my hair right, even though I have to wear the little beanie on the top of the head, I got my hair right, my hair outside of it just looks awesome. I just look really, really good today. So I'm dressed to the nines, I'm dressed to my part, I'm dressed to my position. Everybody that sees me is going to be impressed. Their heart is a heart of pride. Got the best of everything, got it on, and I have a heart of pride. So as they go down the road, they see a man that has been almost beaten to death and he's dying and really needs help. Because they are viewing him through their heart of pride, they go to the other side of the road because people like that are a nuisance. Come on. They are lower than I am, I cannot touch them. They are lower than me, I cannot spend time with them. They are Samaritans. That means I don't like them just based on their race alone. I do not like the way he looks. I do not like the way he lives. I will go to the other side of the road because I cannot mess myself up. So the eye to ignore and the hand was across the street so that they did nothing at all. I can't get my hands dirty. I'm too big. I'm too important to touch anyone or help anyone that is beneath me. Let me pause here and say, If you live your life looking at other people as if they are less than you, you are no better than the priest and the Levite. You might have a higher position in society, but just because you have a higher position doesn't mean you look down on everybody below you. You just don't. That's not what you do. So priest and Levite. Then there's another character that enters the scene. Not the Samaritan, I'm going to get to him in a minute, but an innkeeper. Now, in Scripture, there's not much said about this innkeeper, but what isn't said is very important, okay? The innkeeper had an eye because he needed to make money, right? Come and shake your hand. He needed to make money. His heart here was he had some bills to pay. And he had a business to run. And that business needed to be profitable. Now, I'm not saying that a business shouldn't be profitable. And I'm not saying that a business shouldn't make money. I'm just saying that his heart on that particular day was to do his job and make money. That was what was on his mind. He went to work to do his job. Okay? This caused him to look at the Samaritan and the person that had been robbed as customers. So he gladly opened up a room where he could make his money for the day. He gladly opened up the room to where this guy could stay for a while, and he gladly agreed with the Samaritan that when he came back through, that he would accept the money for any extra expenses that he might have incurred from keeping this guy. Now, I couple things. One, there's no wrong about making money in Scripture. No wrong about it either. Two, I'm kind of going a little bit one step here. I'm still in the text, but I'm still there. So I just want you to know that. But I'm going to go here and say, 
Ladies and gentlemen, if you cannot help people with your business, you're not running it like a Christian. From time to time, if there's somebody hurting, Jesus wants you to leverage the position he has put you in to help people that are less fortunate than you. This innkeeper, this innkeeper, right, should have said, look, I don't have a lot of money, but I can give you the room if you just pay for the food, right? Work out a deal. Work out something to where you're helping the individual that needs help. Use your business for that. You will not lose when you do stuff like that. Do you realize that? God honors that. And what you'll find is when you help somebody through a business or whatever, you'll find that there will be another customer that more than supplies what you gave away, makes up for what you gave away. So I'm not against people making money. I think you should make money. I think you should make enough money to um, support your family. And I don't care if you have a yacht as long as you invite me on it. (laughs) I really don't care. I mean, I think you should make as much money as you want to, but at the same time, you need to be a Christian about it and you need to help other people because God has placed you into that position to help other people. I'm gonna go one step further because I just feel like it. If your bank account has $5.95 in it, and your job isn't one of the jobs that makes a ton of money, and there is a person in front of you in line at Food Lion that is struggling to get the $3 they need for the formula that they're trying to buy for their baby, it is time to take the $5.95 and buy the formula for the person in front of them. You would be surprised how much God supplies and returns stuff like that. In Scripture, it is very clear that Christ often appears to you in the mode of the poor and the needy. And when you take care of the smallest of these, you're actually taking care of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, church. So the innkeeper really needed to just say, hey, I'm going to give you the room You just pay for his food or his medication or whatever. He needed to come up with a deal. It it is great to do that. So heart, customer, business. If you're all business, you will never care about people. And that opens up the door for the Samaritan. The good Samaritan left his house that morning with a heart of love for other people. It wasn't just all about him. He was thinking about other people. And so what, did, what happened? He was thinking about other people. He was loving other people. And he saw someone on the side of the road that needed help. Someone that had been robbed. Somebody that was about to die. Somebody that didn't have a penny. They even took this man's donkey. The robbers. And he saw them. So he saw the need. The need went back to his heart that already loved people, and all of a sudden, his heart changed to compassion. Now, compassion isn't just me saying, I have compassion for you, and just feeling good about it. Um, I I just have so much compassion. If that's the way you do it, you should sign up for The Bachelorette. Compassion is when you actually identify with that person and you feel the hurt that they feel. 
and you feel the need that they have, and you take it personally, and you know that you need to do something about it. The Samaritan was on the way to the on on the way to wherever he was going. He saw this person on the side of the road, and even though he needed to make it somewhere else, he looked and he said, "I need to help this man because if I don't help him, who will?" If this had been me, I would want somebody to help me. I would want somebody to pick me up, put me on his donkey, and take me somewhere and take care of my needs so that I could get better and get home to my children. So he had a heart of compassion. He had hands of help and support. He was a servant. A pastor, I don't know who it was. So I quote people all the time. I never write their name down, and I'm not going to remember their name. But I was in a service one time, and a pastor said this. When I become the servant of all there is, wait, wait, wait. When I become a servant of all, there is no further place to fall. When I become a servant of all, there is no further place to fall. Isn't that great? No matter what position you have in this life, If you're in the military and you have position, if you're at a job, you have position, if you own a company, you have a position, or if you're at the cashier and you're just doing the cashier stuff, whatever position that you're at, as a Christian, we are a servant to the world. We are a servant to people in need. We serve because Jesus loves people and we want to love people too. We serve because Jesus Christ has changed our heart and has caused us to look at people in a different way. This is why, honestly, I'm at a point, and I've been at a point for quite some time, that arguments just do not concern me much anymore. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Me picking a side just doesn't concern me much anymore. There are times that I've been kind of pushed to pick this side or that side or the other. I'm not in this to pick anybody's side or to be on any political side or to be on anybody whatever side. I am here because Jesus Christ loved me enough to save my soul. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. He has changed my heart and my outlook on life. And now I look at people in a very different way. If they are Democrat, I look at them with love. If they are Republican, I look at them with love. If they're Cortez, I pray for her and I look at her with love. I don't even know if I say her name right, but she doesn't say a lot of stuff right either, so that's okay. (laughs) I love everybody. I'm concerned for everybody because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the topic is. The lost people in the world need Jesus. And that means that I have to be a servant to all so that they can see him and find him. This is what I believe with all my heart. If people find Jesus, they will have the appropriate political perspective, the appropriate perspective to life, the appropriate view of the Bible. Come on, church. It straightens everything out. My heart has to be on that so that my focus is correct, so that my hands do the work of the ministry. I and you have to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I and you have to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I and you 
have to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Yes, there you go. We have to be. And that means that we love Samaritans as much as we do our own kind. Do you know that Samaritans were mutts? All kinds of different types of like tribal groups got together. I'm not going to explain how they got together. They had little children, all different types of races within one, one person. Come on, shake your head. Yeah, right. Do you know my wife is a mutt? <laughs> this is why she's good at grooming dogs, I think. I, I'm just kidding. She's beautiful, number one, number one. But she's a mutt, and I'm a mutt. She's part Indian. We have a reservation in the back of our house where she lives. She's part Indian and a part of a couple other things, and I'm part Irish and Italian and a couple other things. Okay? Just a couple other things. We're not really sure what it is, but I'm a couple other things. If I was to look at you, unless you're a Jew and you're full-blooded Jew or you're full-blooded whatever, we as Americans are all a mixed race. I'm saying that not to make a statement about racism. I'm saying that to say we are all Samaritans. Every single one of us in this room is a Samaritan. There isn't anybody in this room that isn't a Samaritan. Jews looked down on Samaritans because they were, you know, that's what you did with Samaritans. We are Samaritans. The scripture would say that you and I are Gentiles. And originally in scripture, God chose this guy named Abraham in order to be the family that Jesus would come to down the line. So they weren't supposed to intermarry or anything like that. But down the line, Jesus was going to be born so the world would know where Jesus was. It is periodically through Scripture that God will tell you the reason he chose the Jews is so that the Gentiles would see a light and come to faith. Come on. This means all races, all people, everybody in um, Davie County, Forsyth County, Yakin County. God loves so much. God the Father loves so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to save them from their sin so that they could be a part of his family. How can my heart hate people when Jesus loved them enough to die for them? How can I hate people? Can I be frustrated with people? Yes. You ever use that term, what would Jesus do? Yeah. I like the whips in the temple part. Come on. Right? Jesus was frustrated with people. You can love somebody and be frustrated with them. You can love somebody and not understand what in the world they are thinking. You can love somebody and kind of be a little irritated with them. The most irritating Frustrating person that is in my life is my wife. I will tell you why. It's the one person I love the most. And it's the person that you love the most that irritates you the most. Come on, that's good. 
That's good. There's a second tier to that. Quinn, Aurora. Love them a lot. They can irritate me. They can irritate my wife. They can irritate my wife too, but she loves them. And you better not mess with them because she gets to you first and then I don't have to do anything. <laughs> Stand in the background, just watch, watch, watch what happens, right? Because when you love somebody, they irritate you. Listen, we love people and when we see stuff happening, we should be irritated. We should have a sadness. We should have something that says, man, if they only knew Jesus, their perspective would be different. If they only knew a different way to live, their life would be different. And a heart of compassion, a heart that loves Jesus, sees people that way. And then you're a witness. You're a witness in how you act because then it becomes very important for you not to sin, but you to shine as a light, right? It becomes very important that everything that you do could lead somebody or help push them toward a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you watch what you do. You watch what you say. You watch what you handle. You watch what you do. And you live like you are supposed to. The Good Samaritan loved God, loved people, had compassion, and then he did something about it. It is Heart, eye, hand, coordination. How is your heart, eye, hand, coordination? How is it? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it what it should be? Heart. Let me read this verse. This is from 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Where's your heart? Is your heart filled with... with Worldly lust, worldly this, worldly that, importance, pride? Or is your heart just really filled with the love of a Savior that was gracious enough to save your soul? And that colors the way that you look at everybody else. How is your heart? I'm about to close. Here's a couple of things to think about. When a politician sees a neighbor, they see potential voters. There are some politicians, not all of them, but there's some politicians that will just tell you what you want to hear so that they can get your vote. Just the way that works. Educators see students. A merchant sees customers. A Christian should see lost people that need a savior. Come on. A Christian should see lost people that need a savior. Christians should see people as Jesus saw people. And this is how he saw them. Yep. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them 
because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Doesn't that describe our world today? Doesn't it? Come on, doesn't it describe our world today? We cannot blame lost people for being lost. But we can blame ourselves for not getting the message out. Right? But it takes a heart. It takes a heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the state you've given us.